1: Hello and welcome, history friends, patrons all, to the 30 Years War, remastered, redone, reworked, remade, reconfigured, and re do I'm so happy to be back in the saddle of podcasting, and I can't thank you all enough for not giving up on this show when we took a break following the Versailles Anniversary Project. Thanks also for not giving up on this show because of the Versailles Anniversary Project. In the three months or so since we've been away, I've... Started my history PhD at Trinity College Dublin, and things have all gotten a little bit real. For the next four years, for better or for worse, I'll be taking part in the journey to add three new letters to my name, and we will be tasked here with delving deeper than ever before into this incredible story. In the meantime, we'll have special offers, the potential launch of an audio podcast diary to trace my experience in that PhD, and a whole other podcast series... So stick around for more information on all of that. First of all, though, an important question. What's this episode for? Do we really need another introduction episode? Really, Zach? Well, yes, we do, history friend, because this series has been on a strange sort of journey. So I wanted to clear up any confusion before we begin this series properly. You see, in May 2018, we committed something of a whoopsie. When yours truly decided it was... The perfect time to launch this series, even though we were already knee-deep in the Korean War, and you guys were probably getting enough of my voice anyway. For that decision, I blame my own tendency to underestimate the workload in front of me. To cut a long story short, in that run of optimism, I made a lot of promises which later proved impossible to keep. One of these promises was releasing one Thirty Years War episode per week alongside an episode of the Korean War but we also introduced some aspects of what I planned to do here. You see, we established that this series is based on a book, For God or the Devil, which you can pre-order on our website, and we also released seven episodes looking at 17th century warfare. So, in other words, we didn't actually delve into the narrative of the Thirty Years' War proper, and instead took our time unpacking some background developments in the military sphere, which designates the 17th century as one of incredible innovation and experimentation. The 17th century warfare series was done on something of a whim, but the response was so positive, I decided to release the 15 episodes I had planned for that series before delving into the actual narrative of the 30 Years' War. And that's what I'm still going to do. If you weren't aware, we're undergoing something of a schedule change for the next few years. The main reason for this is, of course, that aforementioned PhD which will keep me pretty busy, if that wasn't obvious. But after having examined several intense projects in the last few years, I've come to appreciate the principle of less is more. I know, it only took me seven years and several over-the-top projects to finally appreciate that principle, but I suppose it's better late than never. So, we will release a new installment of The 30 Years War every other week, and in that gap we'll release a new installment of Poland Is Not Yet Lost, a Patreon-exclusive series available at the $5 level. For a fiver a month, not only will you have access to a weekly podcasting schedule like The Good Old Days, you'll also be able to dive into a series and an era which you won't see anywhere else in the land of history podcasting, with the exception of the History of Poland podcast, which is not yet there. Have you ever wondered what happened to Poland in the 18th century? Maybe you didn't, but if you did, and if you wanted to see how the history of that unfortunate country affected the lives and legacies of those folks you probably have heard about, like Frederick the Great, Peter the Great, Catherine the Great, Maria Theresa, sometimes also called the Great, then this is the place to be. With your support, you'll not only be making history thrive, you'll also be paying for my PhD, which is both awesome and super appreciated, so... Thanks very much for that. But back to the task at hand, introducing the 30 Years War series. If you are all caught up with this series and you listened to the episodes as they came out between May and July 2018, then you'll know we already released 5, yes 5, introduction episodes. That was probably excessive, but so is pretty much everything podcast related that I seem to do. Obviously you should scroll back up the feed during that point and have a listen to those episodes I released, along with the aforementioned 7 episodes on 17th Century Warfare. Just ignore any promises you hear me make about sticking to any regular release schedule, since as you can see I hadn't exactly stuck to it. I had toyed with the idea of re-releasing the episodes we put out a year and a half ago, because that would make it easier to find them all in one neat place and my OCD senses would be appeased, but then I accepted that you were all capable people with working thumbs, so you can probably track those episodes down if you want them. Other than that, if you want to find a place on the internet where all these episodes reside, I'd recommend looking no further than the website for this podcast and the 30 Years War section therein. To make it even easier for everyone and simpler for myself, I've changed the homepage of this website to be the 30 Years War section, so if you literally go to WDFpodcast.com, that section will come up. For those that don't feel particularly bothered going back to our old episodes though, here's a brief rundown of what you might have missed over the course of those seven 17th century warfare episodes. Episode 1 introduced the series, and we examined Europe's relationship with feudalism as playing a key role in the army creation process with England as our case study. Episode 2, still with England as our case study, was very enjoyable and popular because we looked at why the English exchanged their famed longbows for cumbersome but more technologically advanced firearms of the day. Episode 3 had us looking at the military revolution theory, which stipulated that a great revolution was underway in the way Europeans fought wars, thanks to the growth of army size and the development of new fortification techniques. In episode 4, these fortifications, of the trace Italien, came under our microscope. We examined what distinguished these structures, first encountered in the Italian wars of the late 15th century, from their medieval predecessors. Episode 5 takes that other point of the military revolution, looking at the growth of armies, in the French case, to assess the logic behind the growth and impact which it had. Episode 6 switches gears and brings us to the Ottoman Empire to see whether the revolution in warfare was merely a Western European thing. Spoiler alert, it was not, and the Turks contributed more to the military revolution than they're often given credit for. Episode 7, our most recent episode, well, released in July 2018 anyway, it looked at how the more familiar tactic of the counter-march and linear volley fire came to be with an examination of the career of Maurice of Orange. Maurice, as we learned, took inspiration from some innovative advisors and from ancient Rome of all places to create a military machine which would undergo numerous refinements over the coming years. But it was in 1600, that year of 1600, that this machine would encounter its first great test at the Battle of Newport. And Newport is where our story is about to resume from for episode 8. ...where Maurice of Orange is about to go through this great test. So expect an analysis of this fascinating military laboratory next... ...as we examine what Maurice's reforms brought to the table... ...how they differed from his Spanish opponent's tactics... ...and how they shaped European tactics overall for good. We have eight episodes of 17th century warfare still left to go... ...but once these episodes are finished at the end of 2019... ...we'll be in a position in early 2020 to sink our teeth properly into the actual narrative of the 30 Years' War story. All being well, January 2020 is also the date when our book, For God or the Devil, will be released. This brings me to an important point though. By purchasing the book, you'll effectively be able to read ahead and get through the story before the regular listeners. And now, maybe you don't want to spoil the story for yourself, or maybe you love the 30 Years' War story enough to listen and read along as you do. Because of the book release, we won't be making the scripts available to patrons as we did before. Hopefully you'll understand the reasons for doing that. But patrons at the $2 level will still get their ad-free episodes released before everyone else. I plan to release the episode for patrons on Monday and regular listeners on Wednesday. With the exception of this first week, because let's not confuse everyone straight out of the gate. So what should you do if you buy the book and then find you've nothing to listen to? Well, that is where Poland Is Not Yet Lost comes in. So remember to check out the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash when diplomacy fails, for that. I don't want to spoil things yet, but next month in October 2019, we'll be launching a special offer through Patreon. And according to that special offer, a signed copy of that book will be in your hot little hands by the time it's released, without you having to even really do anything. In case you weren't aware, the book is going to be rather large. I don't know how this translates into actual book pages with the reduced size of font and everything else, but at the time of writing we have more than 900 pages written up in Microsoft Word, so a small bedtime read this certainly is not. More information is to follow soon on the book and the special offer for October, but make sure you keep an eye and ear out by heading to our social media platforms. Follow when Plancy Fails on Twitter, at WDF Podcast. Check out our Facebook page or our Facebook group under the same name. In short, even though I won't be as active a podcaster as I have been in the past, this pod will not be vanishing. We'll be even more active and organised online than ever before. Any questions, of course, send them to my very public email, wdfpodcast at hotmail.com. Because we've been very messy in our release schedule, and because we have thoroughly upset my OCD senses in the process, I wanted to tidy things up a little bit. The first thing I've done is delete one of the old introduction episodes I released in May 2018, because much of the information I gave in that episode was in some cases hilariously out of date. I especially enjoyed reading about how I planned to devote a Maximum of 16 episodes to each section of the Thirty Years' War story. Ozak, you think you'd be more self aware by now. So, what I have done is take the most useful parts from that episode and stick it in here. Maybe you're listening and about to turn off from this episode and listen to the latest 17th Century War episode, but before you do that, I'd advise you to stick around if any of the following appeals to you. First, Maybe you don't know anything about the Thirty Years' War, and you'd like to know more about it, but you're not sure if this series is really going to hook you for the next four years or so. Second, maybe you want to know more about how we intend to structure this series. Third, what's in it for you? What's changing? What exactly do we have planned between this series, poem does not yet lost, and an audio diary detailing one history nerd's experience with his history PhD? We've got a good bit to get through, as you can see, but if you didn't want to know, and you just want to sink your teeth straight into Episode 8 of that Warfare series, then I release you with my blessings now. For everyone else, though, let's chew on some additional details. A question at the heart of this series is the most obvious one. What was the Thirty Years' War? I'm sure plenty of us know the answer, but for those that don't, the Thirty Years' War was a conflict which lasted from 1618 to 1648. It was a conflict inconsistent in its fury and impact, and it was based mostly within the Holy Roman Empire, or for the modern equivalent, not just Germany, also across the Rhine, in the south, in the southeast, in the lands of the modern-day Czech Republic, and in portions of the Netherlands, the Baltic, Russia, Poland, Hungary and several other theatres besides. The Thirty Years' War was a strange beast, because it grew from a Holy Roman constitutional affair into an international and interconnected set of conflicts between the major powers in Europe. And by major powers, what I mean is principally the Austrian and Spanish branches of the Habsburg dynasty, facing off invariably against France, Sweden, the Dutch, the Danes, and sometimes England, Poland and Russia. By its end, great swathes of Europe had been utterly devastated, on a scale and with a ferocity, never before seen or imagined possible. Legions of issues were encapsulated within the Thirty Years' War, but the conflict was not as continuous or straightforward as its moniker might suggest. Much like another conflict, the Hundred Years' War, the Thirty Years' War was characterised by the almost cyclical entry and exit of several powers, the continuation and pausing of several related conflicts, and the dissemination and adoption of several ideas and goals. In the past, the changing nature of the conflict has led some historians to question the legitimacy of the very term Thirty Years' War. This is because, although the Habsburg family always was a constant fixture of the war, the war itself spilled into different theatres, and in the case of the Franco-Spanish conflict which emerged from it, the 1648 deadline, which were told as basically historical, holy canon, was totally ignored. The Spanish and the French didn't make peace with each other until 1659. This is a fact which compelled one historian to refer to the Thirty Years' War as a largely fictitious conception, which has nevertheless become an indestructible myth. But the Thirty Years' War is not a myth, and while we would be wary of tidy titles that make messy conflicts more unnaturally accessible to us. In the case of the Thirty Years' War, the title is accurate and fair. Even at the time of the conflict, people were referring to the Thirty Years' War as an actual thing, so we know that there's a basis for using that name in history. The Thirty Years' War has its roots in the habsburg bourbon rivalry as much as it has roots in the Reformation, the constitution of the HRE, or the Dutch revolt against Spain. but simply, as an event in history, the Thirty Years' War defies simple classification. Never before had the intervention of France occurred on such a scale in Germany, or the intervention of the Scandinavian powers been seen in mainland Europe at all. Never before had the constitutionalism of the Holy Roman Empire, or the dynastic ambitions of the House of Habsburg presented such a compelling list of reasons to continue the war. Yet, as important as all of these issues undoubtedly were, it would be too simplistic to look at the balance of power, the religious sectarianism of the era, Habsburg greed, or the constitution of the HRE, as the sole cause for the conflict's intensity and duration. To compensate for the fact that the Thirty Years' War encompasses several issues and conflicts at once, it's arguably easier and more appropriate to divide the conflict into four phases, so this is what we've done in the book, and to some extent also in our podcast series as well. These phases are as follows. Phase 1. Years of armed neutrality and division. Europe to 1618. In this phase, we look at issues of religious and constitutional disagreement within the HRE, how and when they came to the fore, and what the major rivalries in the HRE and Europe as a whole were before 1618. In Phase 2... Years of Waste and Ruin, from 1618 to 1625, we look at those issues that were examined first in peacetime and now have spilled over into the war. The Empire's constitution, the opportunism of the interested powers, and long-running conflicts between the Emperor and his vassals provide the major focus here. Phase 3, Years of Intervention, looks at the years 1626 to 1634, where states outside of the HRE felt compelled to intervene in the name of their interests and security expect the Scandinavians the unsuccessful Danes but the roaringly successful Swedes to play a major role in this part of the narrative and this part of the book and of the series generally does take up the most amount of space mostly because it is the most famous part of the 30 Years War story as a whole but you can't talk about the 30 Years War without talking about its ending and Phase 4 seeks to do that This is the Years of Coalitions phase, 1635 to 1648. This begins with the widening of the conflict as France declares war on the Habsburgs and then it focuses the aforementioned issues, it exacerbates the intensity of the war across the continent and it prolongs its duration. Expect all the actors involved to debate whether or not they should continue the war but eventually to say, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we just kept it going for three full decades and then they all finished in 1648. Of course, the reality isn't as simple as that, but you catch my drift. We cover the most intensive part of the war from 1635 to the end of the war in 1648. Not too many surprises there. In podcast terms, we have between 16 and 32 episodes dedicated to each part of this series, with allowances made for more intense or involved periods of history as we go along. Note also that the study begins in the decades before 1618. The purpose of rooting this study so far back is to give context and meaning to the decisions made by the affected actors. Political violence, religious tension, constitutional powerlessness, and a sense of impending fear all helped to increase the potential for conflict and helped to prolong the conflict once it had begun. And unless we establish our examination at the beginning of such concerns we'll never be able to truly grasp why those Bohemians believed they had no other choice than to throw those unfortunate people out of the windows. Our analysis will take a chronological approach, I'm sure there's not much surprise in me saying that here, and will follow the aforementioned formula of those four phases when attempting to piece together the disparate events of the Thirty Years' War. As I said before, many times though, we'll begin this series not with the typical narrative of the 30 Years War, but with an analysis of 17th century warfare. We're already halfway through this process, so I figured it made sense to continue it. We're going to be...
0: Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
1: Constructing a picture of how battles and sieges were fought and the challenges, tactics, innovations, technology and weaponry which so distinguished them will also be unpacked. This series on 17th century warfare is going to take 15 episodes, 7 are done, we've 8 left still to go, and I know that because maths is fun. Once we complete that process our narrative of the Thirty Years War will properly be allowed to begin, hopefully by the end of the 17th century war miniseries which also appears in the book as Section 1, by the way, you'll feel more in tune with this era as a whole, and I'll have helped to make it more accessible to you. I should issue something of a disclaimer, though. It is my responsibility to bring the listener into the 17th century and present the era as objectively as possible, but it is not my responsibility to justify the actions of the greedy, the opportunistic, or the merciless, but instead to place the decisions and behaviours of these individuals in their proper context. In one of our earlier introduction episodes, we examined the case of Friedrich Fries. This was a guy who lived in Magdeburg, and he lived through that awful experience of that city being sacked in 1631. Friedrich Fries and his family were on the front lines of that historic event. And as we've seen with his experience, the realities of the sack of Magdeburg were not even so black and white as a case of the evil preying upon the good. A lot of what I bring forward in the rest of the Thirty Years' War follows this pattern. And what I mean by that is that rarely was an actor straightforwardly evil, rarely were soldiers merciless and nothing else, rarely did the whole of Europe suffer all at once, and rarely was victory on the battlefield as total as is often assumed. Paradoxically, even while the 17th century was very different to our modern world, by putting aside our preconceived notions or expectations of human behaviour, we can often find that the individuals living through the living nightmare of the Thirty Years' War were not so different to us. They feared for the safety of their families, they feared for their ability to get food from their farms or from the nearby markets, for their personal fortunes and for their lives amidst a constantly worsening crisis and changing debate which seemed to dominate every aspect of their world. These fears would prove justified, despite the point that many historians have made, which is that the Thirty Years' War didn't literally mean all of Europe was on fire for 30 years. By the time of the peace treaties at Westphalia in 1648, it couldn't be denied that Europe had been through the wringer. The population of the Holy Roman Empire in particular had contracted from 20 million in 1618 to 13.5 million by 1648. Entire families were destroyed or displaced, villages and towns were annihilated, and the demographic make of entire kingdoms was forever altered. At the highest level, such decisions were made by men who had to answer to no one. Princes, kings and emperors who wielded the power and influence necessary to command the fates of soldiers, citizens and entire families were empowered. Narratives of the Thirty Years' War will necessarily examine the aims and actions of such highly positioned individuals, as it was they who controlled the pace and course of the war. At the same time, though, we should bear in mind that the consequences of these decisions were borne by the common citizens, the likes of Friedrich Fries, whose family managed, despite the odds, to make it out of Magdeburg alive, In the case of Magdeburg, a city with a rich history of annoying emperors with its Protestant sympathies, and in 1631 of providing support to the Swedish invader, Ferdinand II's enemies could still argue that notwithstanding Magdeburg's sins, the Holy Roman Emperor was supposed to be the protector of these subjects. He was not supposed to be the person who punished them. He was not supposed to be, certainly, the harbinger of apocalyptic punishment against them. Although Magdeburg aroused sheer shock and horror among contemporaries in 1631 for how extensive and terrible the sacking of the city was, it did nothing to lessen the intensity of the war in the years that followed. There was no universal recoiling from the idea of continuing the war, because by 1631, the monster had mutated from its once manageable size to the point that, as Gustavus Adolphus, the king of Sweden, then said, All the wars that are afoot in Europe have become one war. This interconnectedness of Europe at the time of the Thirty Years' War meant that even those powers which did not actively involve themselves and declare war on one side or the other, such as Poland, the Ottomans, Russia, Britain and Transylvania, still created ripples which were felt in the main conflicts because of the ways they did get involved. Examining these connections, established through complex but fascinating diplomatic ties, will be our aim in addition to placing the motives of these external actors in context. Diplomacy is of course the raison d'etre of this podcast and will be the focus of this series as well. Because of this, my approach will not be concerned with the citizen of the HRE per se, but with his ruler the agreements and negotiations which led certain figures to bring their realm onto one side of the conflict or the other, these will be issues of great interest to us. And all the while I wish to emphasise that, in Germany's case in particular, it was nigh on impossible to refrain from picking a side, as most of the time, your adversary would pick your side for you by issuing you with a threatening letter or appearing fully armed outside of your borders. This, of course, is the long-running theme of the series and the book, and that's why I gave it the name For God or the Devil, because for those involved in the conflict, it was rarely a case that they had a choice, and whatever choice they did make, it was always presented as one or the other. The Elector of Brandenburg has already provided us with an example of how hard this choice was to make, having been informed by his brother-in-law Gustavus Adolphus that he must choose between God or the Devil, and that there was no third way, but of course our coverage won't extend just to those beleaguered princes and potentates. We will also have to provide an examination of the aims and motives of the major figures who enthusiastically involved themselves in the war. From the beginning, with Frederick V of the Palatinate and Ferdinand II of the House of Habsburg and the Holy Roman Emperor, the two distinct camps were established, and even while the cast of characters changed, the existence of these two stark choices would not vanish really for the next three decades, even after these two men passed away. As powers filtered in and out of these two camps with varying consequences, Europe was brought further and further into an inescapable abyss, the early modern European equivalent of a total war. It will obviously be no small task to properly account for the involvement of the major actors in the Thirty Years' War. To do this, we will need to access a wide variety of source material, so it's a good thing we have exactly that. I possess a vast number of books on the conflict, and from various perspectives, thanks to my own personal interest and to years spent browsing on Amazon. I also have access to college databases such as JSTOR and others, and ebook depositories like Questia, which means that those very specific sources on some very specific points are at my fingertips too. Acquiring and collating these hundreds of sources into a bibliography will be a formidable task all by itself, but this should be done within a few months of you listening to this, as this bibliography will obviously be attached to the end of the book. For those interested in further reading, the Biblio will be available on the website too, by November 2019 at the latest. If I could summarise the three major aims of this series, then they would be the following. First, to provide a brand new narrative of the Thirty Years' War which is as accessible, interesting and fun to listen to as possible, and to make sure we can all listen to it and get some enjoyment out of it, regardless of our previous knowledge of the era or of the conflict. Second, and in line with the previous point, I want our podcast narrative to provide the best, most authoritative account of the diplomatic, political activities of the actors involved in the Thirty Years' War. I want this series to stand as the audio benchmark for other series that try to tackle the Thirty Years' War, and I want it to serve as one of When Diplomacy Fails' defining projects. I know a great number of you are very fond of our original series on the Thirty Years' War, and don't worry, that's not going anywhere. But there was a lot about that series I didn't like, and when I started the project all the way back in Autumn 2013, I didn't even know how it was going to end up. I did my best to traverse the conflict, and eventually I got into my groove. But if anyone got lost and confused the first time around, then I hope you'll give this era a second chance here. My third aim is very much tied in with the previous aim of wanting to create an accessible narrative and wanting to create the history podcast account of the Thirty Years' Wars tangled, fascinating diplomacy. For my third aim, you see, I have a somewhat negative goal, and that I don't want this series to seem like a cheap or lazy resurrection of our older 30 Years War series. This is not a case of me simply remastering that old series, and in addition to the completely rewritten, re-researched and restructured series itself, which yes, is far more longer and far more detailed as well, I'm also planning to bring new features to it, like the aforementioned 17th Century Warfare series, which I feel like I've said about 10 times in this introduction episode. I hope that even with the reduced schedule, we'll be able to maintain momentum, and even bring some new history friends into the fold as we do so. All being well, I'd love to talk to some authors, some historians of the Thirty Years' War, who have released books on the conflict too, but I don't want to make any promises just in case that doesn't pan out. As you know, I'm doing the PhD at the moment, so I feel it would be nice to bring some more scholarly clout to the Thirty Years' War series, And I should, of course, say, guys, that some of the books out there on the Thirty Years' War will, by default, put what I do to shame here. But because books and podcasts aren't the same thing, I hope you'll realize the value of what we're doing here in audio form. Even while I also genuinely hope you will track down some books out there, maybe in our bibliography if you track them down that way, but also just looking for them generally if you want to read more about this conflict The best thing you can do if you are passionate about this is to absorb as much about the conflict as possible. I mean, why not? Why wouldn't you go and track these down? You might even find that there's a lot of these books available in your local library, which is what I've found, and if they're not there, I'm sure you'll be able to order them too. In other words, if you want to take me as the last word, then that's great, and if you want to take my book as the last word too, that's great as well. But don't shun all other sources out there. Some of them are really good, some of them are really well written and very accessible, and I would have been lost without them. That's my little disclaimer, but I should also add that my book and my series are going to be pretty awesome as well, so you don't need anything else anyway. But as I said, keep up with When Diplomacy Fails, not just in the book or in the podcast series, but also on social media. Following us on social media, whether you're wanting history memes, more details on the 30 years war, more information about Poland is not yet lost, some Bismarck quotes, whatever you want in between, make sure you go and follow us there. Twitter and Facebook is where we're most active. I tried LinkedIn, but eh, I wasn't really bothered in the end. But there you go. We'll be a lot more active than we were before. As we were doing the Versailles anniversary project, we kind of put everything on hold, because I really only had enough energy to basically do the podcast and nothing else, but now that we've actually planned stuff, I'm much more comfortable with what we're able to do now, and to balance the podcast and the PhD and the social media at the same time. I should make a shout out to the music used in this series, but admittedly, since I discovered the extent of Civilization 4's soundtrack in my original series on the Thirty Years' War, Much of what I plan to use here has been used before. This time though, between Gregorian chant and a more intelligent use of such music, I hope to create a more seamless and immersive audio experience. Full rights for any music goes to Firaxis Games and 2K etc. And any Gregorian chant music that I do use will have the rights displayed in the show's description. You might think this sounds a bit dodgy and risque, but hopefully through a combination of fair use since we got away with it before, and because I'm not actually making any money from this technically, I'm not selling this series on in other words, I'm not too worried about the copyright hammer being smacked down on us. But in case it does, I will just meekly remove the music. If you know me by now in my imperfect style, then you'll know that I like bringing in some kind of musical theme to distinguish the series whether it's M.A.S.H. for the Korean War, Beethoven for the Versailles Anniversary Project with voice clips to match, or Gregorian chant for the Thirty Years' War. I often get far too nerdy for my own good when developing these projects, as if you didn't know that already. So those are the aims of this series, to create a fun and accessible account of the Thirty Years' War, to create the benchmark, account of the diplomacy of the conflict, and to clearly distinguish it from my previous efforts Of covering the conflict with some extras and refinements which weren't there the first time around. With all that said, this intro episode has basically served its purpose, but before we go, I want to just make two notes, first on the schedule, and second how Patreon will come into this 30 Years War series. Let's look at the schedule issue first. As we've said, there'll be a new episode of this series every fortnight, and everyone other than those 300 or so patrons will be getting the series on a Wednesday, Rest assured, I can give you a precise time that the episode will be released as well, so listen up. 6am GMT on Wednesday morning, which I'm told equates to 10pm Tuesday night for those in PST or 1am in EDT. I'm not going to hold your hand here, history friends, and I'll probably fudge the times if I try to be too smart about it anyway, but this is a roundabout way of me saying, thanks to good planning, I should be consistent every fortnight with the release schedule. If you're with us here on the Patreon level at $2 or above though, you'll get the episode at 6am GMT on a Monday morning, or earlier if you're one of my American listeners. Speaking of Patreon though, it should be emphasised that every episode you hear in When Diplomacy Fails will be absolutely free. But they will contain a measure of ads, and personal ads from yours truly. They will absolutely not be invasive, I'm never going to put in mid-roll ads... The most you're going to hear are ads at the beginning of the episode or ads just after that background sound. Hopefully this doesn't turn you off, but you can be assured that once the last ad finishes, the story is here to be enjoyed without any interruptions or pesky mid-roll interferences, so that's nice. If you'd like to live in a world without ads, and wouldn't we all, then I'd recommend checking out When Diplomacy Fails' Patreon page by going to patreon.com forward slash when diplomacy fails for ad-free episodes delivered 48 hours earlier. Look no further than Patreon. If you like what I do here at When Diplomacy Fails, and you feel like this history is worth your money, then Patreon is the best way to monetarily support. If you've got some coins jangling around in your pocket that you just can't get rid of though, then why not place those coins in one of those charity bins, take out your credit card instead, And pre-order our 30 Years War book from our shop at wfpodcast.com forward slash shop or follow the link in the description which will be plastered at the end of every single episode. Our book Forgot or the Devil is out in January 2020 and if you like to read, I'd highly recommend it since it'll probably take you about 30 years to read it all. If reading isn't your thing though and you want more when diplomacy fails in your life then as we said, by upgrading to $5 a month Poland is not yet lost can be all yours and you won't even notice my absences or even my elevated stress levels as I pretend to know what I'm doing in my PhD. Finally, still in line with Patreon and speaking of the PhD, I'd be remiss if I didn't note our goal once we hit the $2,000 a month level. Once we do that, we will begin a monthly audio diary detailing what it's like to do a PhD in history at one of the greatest universities in the universe. Trinity College Dublin paid me to say that about them, but since I'm paying them top dollar to study there, and since this period of my life has been a long time coming, and many of you have been following me since day dot, I thought it'd be something you'd really appreciate to see me go through this PhD and see how I get on with it. And maybe if you're curious about doing one yourself, this'll be a nice preview into what to expect. Expect these audio diaries to be less scripted, But still certainly organized. You can thank our editor and my sibling Sarah for that, since she'll be editing pretty much everything as we go along, and in case you didn't know, she's great. Other than that, one of the best ways to support is to spread the word by telling people about what we're about to do here, and by telling them that an accessible, enjoyable account of the tangled diplomacy of the Thirty Years' War and of course the warfare and everything else that goes along with it is available for free online you'd be amazed at how few people actually know not only that all these podcasts are available but how podcasts work sometimes one of the first things i'm told when i tell people about podcasting is that they don't have the money for these kinds of things to which i say did you know it's free to which they say huh and then a following up of several questions but you get my point Most people aren't aware, even if you think they are, so do tell people, especially those who you think might be interested in history, about not just When Diplomacy Fails, but also what a history podcast is generally. Let's spread some history cheer. Let's include When Diplomacy Fails in that as well. Keep up with the discussion and debate by connecting with us on social media and visiting our 30 Years War section of the website, where all of the latest episodes of the Thirty Years' War can be found if you're just not bothered keeping up with them some other way. And that's going to do it for this introduction episode here. A huge thanks to all of you for listening and giving the Thirty Years' War one more chance. It's great to be back and to be back in this era once again. Make sure you listen to our newest episode, number 8 of the 17th Century Warfare series, but until next time, my name is Zach, you are a lovely history friend, and I'll be seeing you all...